feel so privileged to bring you the word of God this morning. And I, I love it because I, I love how God's word is always a resource to us. It always has things that we need. And what amazes me is how old the Bible is and how current it is in our lives and how I can go back to it over and over and over again. And there are old lessons there that I need put back inside of me. And there's always like new nuggets and new perspectives in God's word. And so it's it's alive and living. And the reason it's alive and living is because when you read scripture, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is there to inspire you, to enlighten you, to help you, because the Holy Spirit is the original author through the people that he used to to write it. And so he can open it up to your hearts. And so I'm excited about it. And the scripture that I'm going to share with you this morning out of Ephesians, and then we'll be in the book of Galatians today, um, is just a great foundation block for us. So let me read to you Ephesians 2.8. We'll pray and jump into it. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For it is by grace. Would you say the word grace? For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Let's pray. Father, thanks for your word. Make it alive to us. Make it alive to us today. We thank you for the power and the authority of your word. We thank you how your word can apply exactly to our life, exactly in time and season. And so we trust you today to speak to each one of us. I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your Holy Spirit. I pray that, God, that your heart would be imparted along with the truth of your scripture and that it would be useful and beneficial and create lasting fruit. We thank you for your word. Let it be planted deep in our heart. Let it not be choked out, stolen, but let it bear fruit. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Last week we started this new series called Fresh Start. It's the beginning of a new year and we're talking about fresh starts. And uh, last year, last week, not last year, uh, last year was a couple weeks ago. Last week, we talked about how um, part of a fresh start means that you've got to remove some barriers in your life to getting a fresh start. Some of those barriers are things like distractions in our lives can, can mess up a fresh start, and sin in our lives can, all, can mess up just about everything and anything, right? And this week, we're going to look at this idea of returning in your walk with Jesus, returning to grace, Returning to the starting point of this new life that you have in Jesus. I shared the scripture just a moment ago, Ephesians 2 8. It says, For it is by grace. Would you say grace again? It's really going to be a theme for today. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's not by works, so that no one can boast. You know, you you didn't save yourself. You trusted Jesus and he saved you. And this idea of grace is, um, when you look at it in the original language, the word grace means gift. Aunt Phil, will you go in that classroom? There's two wrapped presents, and I meant to bring one of those up to bring up here. You get, get either one. I just want the... A, yeah, absolutely. You can have that empty box. Um we're so generous here. Grace, and the, the concept of grace is that it is a gift. Imagine, if you will, Aunt Phil had just handed me this box. It's wrapped and beautiful, and you want it. It's a gift 
It's unmerited favor. When I say unmerited, it means it's not by something that you have earned or it is something that you can only receive. And we receive this gift of grace when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. We all give Aunt Phil a hand. Uh, I tell you, it's really good. No, it's really got air in it, but it's it's godly air. It's church air. It's really spiritual air. Oops. That's not part of the analogy, me dropping the box. So grace is this, it's this gift, it's this unmerited favor, it's this thing that you, that you cannot earn, that you have to um, receive. And we, we receive this gift from God. We receive it when we trust him. That's the conduit. I put my trust in him. I put my faith in him. Trust, faith, they're, they're synonymous in the, in the word of God as far as their, their meaning, the underlying meaning. And so to look in, and dig into this idea of this grace that we receive, I want to look into the book of Galatians with you this morning. The book of Galatians is a New Testament book, and it describes a journey that is really common for believers. When you first read it, you may you feel like you're reading other people's mail because you are. You're reading the Apostle Paul in the New Testament writing to the Church of Galatia, which um, would have been north of Israel. It would have been uh, populated by mainly people who were not Jewish that were would be called Gentiles in Scripture. That's the fancy Bible word for not Jewish. And today, if you were thinking about where Galatia is, it, it's where modern-day Turkey is. It's a, a portion of that. And Paul had gone before to the area of Galatia, and he had preached the gospel, and people come to Jesus, and he had started a church there. That's what what the Apostle Paul did. He went and shared the good news of Jesus. People became believers, and they started gathering and and having church. But subsequent to Paul's journey up there, some other missionaries had come into town, and these were Jewish missionaries, and Paul was a Jewish missionary, but these, these missionaries encouraged the believers there to adopt some Jewish practices that were part of the covenant of the law. And these new missionaries were basically coming in, and they, they said, we believe in Jesus. But listen, if you're a believer and you're a follower of Jesus, uh, you know what? You should, um, you should also be circumcised. And, oh, you know what? If you're a believer, you should also um, celebrate this special um, holiday. And, you know what? You should do this, and you should do this. And if you will, it, it, was, um, it was bolting on to the message which Paul gave them, which is you need to trust Jesus and receive this gift of salvation by faith. And in my mind's eye, when I look at the whole picture, I, I kind of see these people up there as new, younger believers that are, frankly, vulnerable to the message of, you know what you should do? And they probably just kind of thought, well, I I love Jesus, and I I love God, and I have this new life. Tell me what to do, and I'll go do it. I can kind of see that picture of it being really earnest. But, you know, there's, there's different ways in which you can do something. And the way that they were doing it, was a way in which it made them feel like, well, now I'm spiritual. Now I have it. Or it's kind of this validation of doing the work and, and, and doing these things. And, you know, it's, it's, it's securing my spot, making me feel like I've got it together. And this is how Paul opens up his letter for, in Galatians 1, 6. Now, when you read the book of Galatians, like I tell you, Paul is fired up. 
There's a lot of books when you read, and Paul is like, you just, it, you imagine him as like this grandfather who's got his robe on, and he's leaning back, and, and he's just saying how much he loves you, and how pretty you are, and how special you are, although he's actually writing from jail. But anyhow, um, but you know, in this one, he's just fired up. I mean, he, I mean, he honestly just seems like mad, but he's not mad at people, he's mad at what's robbing them of a fundamental truth that impacts the way they walk with Jesus. And it's, it's something that it's so easy for all of us to fall into. So this is how he describes it in Galatians 1.6. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you. That's not a very nice start, is it? I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, y'all, in like biblical scripture and things like that, for by the sixth verse of a letter to kind of have this kind of opening is like, whoa, this is all of a sudden pretty intense. I got to tell you, I don't know this, but I'm, I, I'm inferring it just kind of with like all Bible study and, and that kind of thing. I don't think that these Jewish missionaries who came um, up there with this message of you should be and you should be and you should do this and you should do this. I don't know that it was an, a diabolical agenda to undermine Christianity. I don't actually think that's what was in their heart. I think their life experiences as, as Jewish people who had grown up and believed in the Messiah, um, they grew up practicing these things. It was part of, of, of their lives. And the, they were part of the covenant of the law, and they were doing these things. But what happened is all of these things were pointing to Jesus, and they are fulfilled in Jesus. And so for them, they accepted Jesus, but they didn't stop practicing what they'd been practicing. Does that make sense to you? It would be kind of weird. Like, we've done this all our lives, and it points to Jesus. Why would we stop? Now we see the fulfillment even more. Like, but what happened was they, they kind of turned back and said, now we think these non-Jewish peoples need to do the same thing that we were doing. I, I don't know, but I think it wasn't diabolical. I think it was probably sincere. But Paul was fired up. Because he was fired up because he felt like people were putting this law and these rules and these restrictions and expectations on people who weren't meant to carry it. They were meant to start with the fulfillment of Jesus and receive the grace and receive the gift. And so through this letter, Paul is basically writing this like one-sided debate to, the, to these readers. Like all they're reading is what Paul is saying. And he's basically saying... I won't spend too much time on this because I want to get to the part where it really applies to how we walk. But I want to fill this out for you. In this one-sided debate, he's basically saying, hey, listen, the law is good, and God's the one who gave us the law. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. But the law itself, this covenant of the law and these rules and and these kinds of things, Paul describes it as they were a guardian until Jesus came. Isn't that a cool picture? Like how we're guardian of our children 
until they come to a place where, you know, they're supposed to. It's like they, it was like a placeholder holding things and pointing to Jesus. But now that Jesus has come, the guardian isn't necessary anymore. And he points out this very important part, that righteousness, that being in right standing and being good and pure before God cannot actually be accomplished by the law. Such an important part. God gave the law. The law was good. But one of the things that the law revealed to us is you can't do it in yourself. You're incapable And that wasn't to demoralize us. It was to point us to we need a better solution, a better covenant. And that covenant is Jesus and what he provides for us. So I've given you like the quick kind of what this letter is about and what it's doing. And so, again, Paul is writing this one-sided debate to his readers. And this is what it says. We're going to jump to Galatians 3, verse 2. And it says this. I love this question. Let me back up. So these believers in Jesus who had accepted Jesus, and a lot of them had come to know Jesus because of Paul's ministry. While he's been gone, somebody's come in, and people have said, listen, you need to be circumcised. You need to circumcise your kids. You need to start celebrating these festivals, and you need to start doing these, these things. And they're adding this, this law. And Paul has been absent while all that's going on, and he says this in verse 2 of chapter 3. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish, after beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? I think one of the reasons why Paul is so fired up about this is he grew up a Jewish very regimented, he did the law, he did all this thing. This is personal revelation to him. And he's looking at these folks by saying, listen, you received the Holy Spirit and you received this new life and you received all these things and you didn't do it by practicing these things. You did it by believing in Jesus. And he's, he's kind of like saying, don't put it on you. Don't put it on you. He's like, I've lived that life. I've done that life. Don't put it on you. I didn't put it on you on purpose. And God isn't looking to put it on you on purpose. And this is where it kind of turns to how much it really applies to us. Because sometimes we'll read the Bible and go, well, that's not happening here. We don't have anybody on Sunday morning saying you need to go be circumcised if you really love Jesus. And you really need to go practice these things if you really love Jesus. And you really want to be secure in your faith. Like that, that's not happening in our context. But... We all have in our mind and our heart a desire to please God. And at some level inside of us, there's this desire to perform. And those desires can so quickly lead to a pressure, a kind of pressure that we put on ourselves. Where we start off with, well, I just want to please God. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to please God. That's a I want my wife to be happy. That's not an evil desire, right? But we start off with maybe a desire that has some purity to it. We start putting pressure on ourselves, and then all of a sudden I'm I'm trying so hard to be good enough. I'm trying so hard to be worthy of his love. I'm trying so hard 
to be worthy of his blessings. I'm trying so hard to be good, and I look inside myself and I go, I should be a better person. Let me try harder at being a better person, which even that sentence, it's not the sentence that's wrong. It's the premise that's wrong. And so now I'm going to try to earn that which I actually first received as a gift. Do you see how we can so easily get there? And it can be good intentions used against us. And I remember early in my days, I, I, I thought, you know, I love God so much. And I went from grace to performance like that. And part of it is just my wiring. And, and, the, and God had to like disconnect some things inside of me to say, why are you trying to perform when there's something that you're supposed to receive as a gift? Here's the thing. The law is not bad. The law was good. The law was given by God, and the law had its time and its, its practice and all of that. But part of the point was for us to be, be able to realize that you can't do it yourself. You can't just do it on your own. You need this gift. And the challenge is there's nothing that you can do to get this gift. That's a hard connection for us in our lives. One of the reasons why it's hard is because we think in our lives we can, there, everything can be earned at a price, right? Like it, there's some, some kind of luxurious car that I want. Well, you know what? If I give up enough of these other things, I could probably get it. You know, like there's a way to do it. Or if I work harder or do these things, like I can, I can get it. But I'm telling you, the grace and the gift of salvation, the grace of forgiveness, the only way that you can receive it is by trusting in Jesus, which is what faith is. It is the only way. You can't earn it. As a matter of fact, in the book of Galatians, you know what it says? If righteousness, right standing with God, could have been achieved by the law, why would we have sent Jesus? Why in the world would we make Jesus go to a cross and bear the sin of the world if there was some way that you could be good enough and earn it on your own? And it's kind of like the scripture's way of just saying to us, listen, all of your efforts are actually diminishing the gift. We don't always think of it that way. Your effort to be good, your effort to make yourself right, your effort to all these efforts actually diminish because somehow we're beginning to think we can earn back the thing that was given to us. And for a lot of us who are just this motivated, it's so frustrating to us because we go, that's not right. When I fail, I need to be able to do something. It's not right. Do you know where the justice happens? The justice happens on the cross. And we feel like it's not right because we don't deserve it. And you're exactly right. We don't deserve it. But you see, I think one of the reasons Paul is so fired up is he's trying to share with people all these principles pointed to our need for Jesus. So if we go back to those things and start putting those practices on people who didn't grow up with that in their lives, we're diminishing the point. He's just really fired up. When I think about this, I think, like, how, how do we fall in to the trap of performing for God? Y'all follow my thinking here when I say performing for God? 
where we might not even consciously be thinking of it, but we're trying to get back into his good graces by some other way than just trusting him. One way is our failures. And if you have failures in your life, welcome to the land of honesty. There's no pretense here. And I like y'all, and I think y'all are amazing people, but I haven't met a perfect one among you, myself included. And the problem is, when we fail, a lot of times we think we need to earn it back. When we fall short of our own expectations, God's expectations, others' expectations, there's something in us that wants to punish ourselves or make ourselves pay to get that gift back of knowing you are in a good place with God. But it's not the truth. It's not how things work. What I love is in 1 John where it says, you know, basically if you say you're without sin, you're a liar. But he who confesses his sins, Jesus is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It's not if you have failure or if you have sin. It's if you go to him and say, forgive me, Jesus. And for a lot of us, that's not good enough. What do you mean I just need to forgive and turn away? What do you mean I just, like, that's not right. You're right. It's not right. But you see, that's how grace works, and that's how the cross works. In any effort beyond that plan of receiving salvation and forgiveness through him by trusting in him, returns to another covenant, one that's already been proven is not what makes us righteous. Second thing that that can be a trap to us is, I tried to figure out a different way of saying it, but I couldn't think of a different way of saying it is a religious spirit. And what I mean by a religious spirit, this is not a phrase that I've used, I think, on a Sunday morning before. That's why it makes me a little nervous to use it. It's, It's the lie that when I do good things, it ticks a box and makes God happier with me and elevates my position with him. And so I showed up on Sunday, so that makes Jesus happier, and he would be madder and push me away if I wasn't here on Sunday. Or I did this good work, and now I, my, my stock is rising. Oh, nope, now I did something wrong. My stock is falling. So I need to do something right and make my stock start going back up again. And it's kind of like this, it, how, what's the level of how mad or happy God is with me? And so I'm just going to kind of do these things. But what it also does is it makes the things, the thing, what we think we're supposed to do, rather than the who we're supposed to have a relationship with. And it divorces relationship and begins to put actions and deeds in the place of knowing him. We're going to come back to that in a moment. I think the third one, and I think this is what happens in a lot of, a lot of our lives, is we can become overwhelmed with life. Have you ever been overwhelmed with what was going on in your life in a way in which all of a sudden you just started to feel numb? It was like, I don't have time for another conversation. I don't, have enough, I don't have enough space in my heart and mind to connect. And so I'm going to talk to this person, but I'm just going to kind of let them, I'm going to kind of like, like talk to them at the door of my life rather than letting them in my life because I just don't have the, the energy anymore. I, I, feel like, I feel like I'm numb because I'm just overwhelmed. And so now it's just too hard to open up my heart. It's too hard. So it's easier for me to just go through the motions and do the things 
that I think I'm supposed to do rather than engage in my heart because I'm just overwhelmed. And I don't think that's a conscious thing. I think that happens in our lives when it's just like, it's just too much. So what do I need to do? Well, if I show up to church and maybe I should, I'll start a life group. Apparently Pastor Mike wants me to start a life group. So start a life group and I'll know. I'll know that I'm saved, you know. Like, hey, we're here. You know, life groups are where we connect with God and one another. And um, who wants to pray? Christopher, will you pray? You know, just pray. Pray, Christopher. Okay, we're done. How many times do I need to have a life group in a semester for it to count? Okay. Um, you know, it's like that level of, I'm just done. I'm done. What I love about our God is he's after our hearts. Romans 3:21 through 23, it's going to tie this together. It says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. I want to put a pause right there for a moment. This concept, it it will change your walk with Jesus. When you put your trust in him, he takes his righteousness, his right standing before the Father. He takes his goodness and he puts it on you. So that now you're good through him, not through you. You who are just as motivated are going, that ain't right. You're right. It's not right. That's why they call it grace. That's why they call it a gift. Is because you can't earn it. For some of us, we would rather just perform. We think that's easier. But what God wants is he wants to relate. He wants to know you. He wants it to be personal. He knows that in your broken humanity... You can't be good enough. And so when you put your trust in Jesus, he puts his righteousness on you. He doesn't take it back. He just puts it on you, and he makes you a new person and gives you new faculty so that you no longer have to sin. You can follow him. But your status with him and your position with him is not based on that performance. It's based on your relationship to Jesus, your trust, your faith in him. I wish I could say, but there's these other things and it's, it's a little bit more complicated. It, it really isn't. We make it more complicated, but it really isn't. The scripture again, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteous, this righteousness is given through faith. Every time you see the word faith in the Bible, you can put in the word trust. Through trust in Christ Jesus to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. For those of you Bible nerds, I'll I'll share with you that that word justify, that you're justified freely by grace, 
Justify is the verb form of the word righteous. You are made righteous freely by this gift. He makes you righteous. Meaning, you can't earn it. You can't do it yourself. I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you're trying to earn something that you just have to trust him for. And I know that just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. But you see that? You don't make the rules. He does. And he's not trying to make barriers between you and him. He's trying to remove the barriers between you and him. And relationship is kind of what ties all this together. Because the whole plan of salvation, this whole plan of having a new life, it's a relational plan to put you in a status with God and with, before Jesus where he calls you son and daughter and he, he makes you his own and there's a relationship that he is restoring with you and an intimacy that he's building with you. And, and the Lord wants to, he wants to restore relationship. He wants to build relationship and he cherishes a relationship with you. And that's why the works, the doing, can actually divorce you from the heart of the relationship that he's trying to work with you. This idea of faith and trust in the Lord, faith and trust is the conduit. We just receive it by trusting in him. Faith and trust are relational words. I have faith in my wife. I trust my wife. They're relational words. And so, you know, when you fail, when you lose confidence, when you feel unworthy, return to him. Don't think, what do I need to do? Think, who do I need to go to? The lie of sin is it makes you want to hide. The lie of failure is it makes you want to run. The lie of these things is it makes you want to turn inward. And the reality is you need to run to him. While you were yet sinners, he, Christ died for you. He loved you before you were ever made good before him, before you ever received him, before you ever knew him. He loved you before all of that. And so your disposition has to be, I've got to run back to him, and I've got to go to him. And there's no other way for me to receive the gift of what he has for me, this righteousness, this goodness, this salvation, other than just trusting him. Now, do we get to do good works? Absolutely. Do we get to, to work on our, ourselves as a person? Absolutely. But you see, all of that is subsequent to receiving the gift that he has for you. He makes you righteous, and then he transforms you. When I say he makes you righteous, what I mean is through Christ. He puts Christ's righteousness on you and says, That's my, they're mine, and I'm working on them. And they're with me. I just want to encourage you this morning, maybe, maybe subconsciously, maybe consciously, you are doing things to earn something that you have to receive as a gift. I want to ask you today, if that's you, stop. Maybe it's something that you know you need to do, but you're doing the wrong way. And you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And God just wants you to stop. Maybe your failures are putting you in a cycle of works. And what you need to do is be in a cycle of going to him. And receiving the grace and the love and the peace that he has for you. Maybe overwhelm has just caused you to kind of tune out and push away. God's just saying, I want you to come to me. I just want you to come to me. 
this this whole book is is a book where well-meaning people started putting things on themselves that God didn't want to put on them. And, you know, as we're going into this new year, last week we talked about distraction and sin and those things that are a barrier. But this concept of adding things onto ourselves and trying to work things in ourselves, it can really, it'll slow you down and it'll, it'll make weird something that's supposed to be pure, something that's supposed to be good. Maybe you need to lay some things down today. Some attitudes or thoughts or some patterns in your life and just receive the goodness that he has for you. Jeremy, will you come play? Would you stand with me this morning?